0: Today's podcast, uh, we're doing a long open on the Eastern Conference NBA midterms. we are going to run through just observations, a bunch of stats, so it kind of getting you caught up again. I needed to get myself caught up as well, so that's what I did. Hopefully it helps. It is long. Bobby Marks on Woody Blow Up the Nets now in season. That, the Mitchell trade, regret. We'll talk about a bunch of young guys as well and hiring coaches for teams that you're hanging on by a thread. We've got Life Advice, Worst Take, and our College Football Top 12. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at Lululemon.com. I'm going to do NBA midterms. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, midterms. We're like 10 plus games in. That's ridiculous. But if you think of the NBA as eight semesters, then yeah, or four semesters, excuse me, four semesters, 20 games. Yeah. All right. So we're about midterms. It was just an exercise for me to get caught up on everything I needed to do and then share it with you. Buckle up. It may go really long. We'll go by seeding in the East. We're doing the East today. We'll do the West later shortly. Okay. Milwaukee, they're nine and one. Just lost recently to Atlanta. Is this the best Giannis has ever been? This is somebody who turns, what are we talking, 28 here coming up in December. The usage rate. Now, for those playing along, usage rate on ESPN.com and usage rate on basketball reference can be different at times. I don't know if that's a lag in calculating the active players in the current season. So sometimes that could be part of it. But he's creeping around 40 for a usage rate, which would be behind only Westbrook and Harden, and then Kobe has one in there. And you know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't like it when you're up there. It it means you're a little bit more predictable. And honestly, Giannis can be as predictable as anybody, but you're still sort of helpless to it because he's just going to get fouled all the time. So I don't know if that will hold up. I doubt it will. There's no Middleton still. Pat Connaughton's been out which speaks to kind of their top six where I look at their top six and then after those six, I'm like, I don't really love it here, but we know that they're actually going to, despite not having their full rotation and an 8-9 and nine that you love, their top three guys barely play over 30 minutes. Um, and that's Drew, Brooke, and, and Giannis. And it's like 32 down to Brooke, who's barely at 30 minutes. Um, their offense is still not great, but they're three points better than anybody else defensively. So they're really, really good, and there's a chance they're going to get even better. And the Giannis thing's still absurd with him, but I would say it's a concern in the should thing because it just history tells us that those teams don't really do well in the playoffs because you spent 80-something games watching one guy have the ball the whole fucking time. Uh, but that's not really the case in Milwaukee. I think it's a necessity right now, but not necessarily who they'll be. Cleveland, 8-2. and two. That's with Darius Garland out six games. Mobley was a question mark for me despite loving him because he basically never makes any mistakes and he just does everything well. Some of the passes still, the help defense, uh, the one-on-one defense, it's all, it's all incredible with him. But he was throwing it, uh, if you check in either of the Boston games, like, and he's been doing it, he'll get some nice post position and he's got this soft jump hook too. So you're like, okay, now, like, if you're really going to be this guy that we're all freaking out about all the time, what are you going to show us offensively that's a real go-to and that's harder to defend? And he's been showing that more and more. And Mitchell is in the MVP conversation, which is just a nice way of saying he probably won't end up winning this thing. But this is peak Mitchell. It's peak Mitchell on defense, which has always been frustrating for me because you're, he is a big guard. Uh, we've gotten to this argument before because he's not that tall. His wingspan is 6'9". He's thick as can be, and he's athletic as can be. There's no reason for him to ever be a below-average defensive player. None whatsoever. And really, defense, as we all know, it's up to you. How how good or bad do you want to be on defense? The truly, truly elite, maybe the most gifted, the anticipation, studying all that stuff. I think it's basically selfish and a bad personality trait when you're terrible on defense, unless you're just a big trying to play the screen or these dropped and then defend the alley-oop, which is just, you know, think Enos Kanter, all right? So, Cleveland 8-2, and two, and they still haven't had Garland for a good chunk of the season. So all of it's worked out. It's really good. They could be even better. Boston, the big thing that jumps out with me is Tatum. Now, when you look at some of the advanced stats, not that everything's perfect here, it, it's always kind of this, this funny path for some of the great players. There'll be a rookie sophomore season where this top pick who like, hey, do we have a guy? Could this be a guy? And then you'll see some of the PR stuff. You're like, wait, he's around like 14 and 15. Like, How come it's low? And that's what Tatum was, like 15, which kind of tells you maybe an average player. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same now. And we know that it obviously favors big guys that don't play a ton of minutes, that rebound rate and have a high field goal percentage. And that's the Hassan Whiteside story in 12 seconds. All right, so for Tatum, it was like 15 and 15, and then it goes to like 21. You're like, oh, all right. You know, a guy on the right side of 25, you know, 21, 20. He's at like 27 now, 28, 28 now, if you're rounding up a little bit. Then you're starting to talk about like a real MVP candidate, somebody who, I think last year there were times where I'm like, are we really, are we, are we ready to anoint Tatum as a top five player? It felt a little soon. You start going through that list, you're like, okay, who is he jumping in here? Now it feels like a certainty. There's just another level of him and the way he's played, the way he shot the ball, the extra free throw attempts. He's playing two contact, which we talked about all off season. Um he's he's been incredible, and like the box score plus minus stuff if you don't want to listen to p e r you know he was in that four to five point range so far this season it's seven point five the win shares per forty eight when you're over two that point two that's like really really special stuff so there you go uh the defense the offense is great for Boston the defense isn't it's eighteenth there is something at least to look to with rob Williams coming back, but they were incredible. Across the board statistically last year. So, still pretty good about where they're at and their options, but the defense hasn't been as good. All right, Atlanta, they're actually your four seed today. They were four and three, went to seven and three, 12th in offense, 14th in defense. Uh, They were 26th in defense last season. They were a very disappointing team last year. Uh, They beat New York, they beat New Orleans, they beat Milwaukee. The New York win was the one that probably we'll get to New York a little bit later. We were like, massive comeback. I love a Congo. He's not starting, but I wonder how that Capella-Okongu thing will play out. I just really like him. A.J. Griffin had 24 the other night against the Bucs. Bogdanovich still isn't playing. So Hunter's still kind of the same. I actually like Jalen Johnson more of the minutes that I've seen him this year than last year, which is fine, but that's also off coming not loving him necessarily at Duke. The thing I always keep paying attention to is like, okay, how are they using the DeJounte-Murray-Trey stuff? They're doing a good job of splitting this which may not really tell us much anything. DeJounte will ride out a good chunk of the third, then the fourth, and then Trey comes in, and then they obviously have to close the game together. Here's what's crazy. Trey Young's usage is actually higher this season than at any point in his career, which I thought was going to be impossible with DeJounte on the team. This team is last in passing. That's it. They pass the ball the least It's not assists. It's not assist ratio any of that kind of stuff. They pass the ball less than any other team in basketball on you know, a game-to-game basis. How many passes do you average per game? Houston uh, is usually down there in some of these passing categories, but Atlanta's actually last in this specific one. So the defense is better. There's some uptick in some of the rotational guys that I like. I'd like to see Hunter be a little bit better. Maybe it's never going to happen. I should stop thinking about it. But the Young and Murray thing, I think they're doing a good job with it. It gives you another really elite attacking offensive player. But I'm I'm blown away um, by some of the other numbers that I looked at there. All right, keep it moving. Toronto, the fifth seed. Their offense is average. They're ninth in defense. But what they're really good with is their clutch numbers so far this season, which you know, they're absurd. They're like 145 points per 100 in clutch situations. Uh, if you've watched them in a close game, the way they crank up their defense is actually pretty impressive. So, like, the clutch net and all the clutch stuff is is incredible for them. But as of now, this is kind of that collection of those 500-ish groups here um, in the East. Siakam, much like Tatum, another level, uh, but he's going to be out two weeks overall, 34% shooting, and the eight free-throw attempts per game, uh, which can really bump up some of those analytic stats for you. Uh, Scotty Barnes, the shooting and assist numbers are up, but he's actually playing less minutes. He's down about four minutes per game. I think that's probably because OG Ananobi Uh, has played all 11 games this season, which is always an interesting part. The thing that you don't like about Toronto is that half court's always been an issue, but their fast break points are number one in the NBA. Then there's a different transition point number there where I think they're number two. Um, So collectively, when you look at some of the other numbers here for them, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And we love the length, and Boucher's like a real guy, and Achua's had his moments. So they have a lot that they can throw at you. I'd expect that they're going to be on the better side of this 500-ish area that they're kind of stuck in right now very early. Okay, Chicago. Uh, they had these awful starts in the first quarter, which we've covered before. They're 6-6, six six. good wins, Miami, Boston. They split with Toronto. I don't know if the Nets is even a good win. DeRozan's still awesome with... Five less field goal attempts per game, but more free throws. I don't know that'll that hold out that he's gonna have five less shot attempts per game, but that actually speaks to like him and trying to get the other guys more involved. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's just a little blip here, 10, 12 games into this. So that's good news. Let's look at some of their numbers here. They're the worst clutch offense in the East, which is even worse because it's 28th in the league. Um their offense just isn't that good. The offensive ring, it just it's, it's just not happening. Um, Levine's missed four games. Lonzo's been out. They gave these positive updates, but with no timeline this week. The Vooch trade, man, he shoots it. He's rebounding it like crazy, but it still just sucks because you now wouldn't trade Vooch or you wouldn't trade Carter straight up for him. You wouldn't trade Franz straight up for him, and you wouldn't get a top-four protected pick in 23 for Vooch. And I respect what Chicago was trying to do, but that trade's going to kind of haunt them now. And you know, it's it's just not good enough on offense for me to get all that excited although they should definitely be playing a playoff series. Let's talk about the Pacers, 5 and 5, a little surprised about it. 7th in offense, 26th on D, negative point differential. They beat the Heat without Butler. They almost beat the Nets back to back. They beat them the first time, and then they came back from like 24 down to make that one weird. They started one and four, so it's a little bit of a positive here. Halliburton solid, 22, 10, and five. The 50 and 46 percent shooting splits, 46 percent from three, incredible for him. And Matherin is second only to Paulo in rookie scoring at just under 20 a game. They play fast and they make threes. They have four guys shooting 40 percent or more on threes, 27 attempts. Uh, Total. So there's 27 attempts on four players there. that are making 40% of their threes and they pass the basketball. So a little surprising there for the Pacers. Kind of curious how that will hold up. The Knicks average offensively and defensively. Rebounding is okay. Uh, The starting group has been getting crushed. So I don't know what's going to happen there. There'll probably be some kind of change. But if you look at the differential with the starting group that comes out, and I believe that was the same five that are starters that were in the Atlanta game where they got smoked, there could be some changes coming. Uh, Randall's been better than he was last year. So he's he's kind of in between why did we sign this guy and MVP chance at the free throw line two years ago? All right. So he's been better. Uh, the problem was even when he was good, it was get us through all these late-game possessions. He doesn't necessarily have to do that anymore, and you don't want to do it anymore because it wasn't really working out all that much. Um, Brunson, more minutes, more shots, bigger numbers, points, and assist totals. Uh, The usage is actually down from where he was because when he was allowed to go in, well, allowed is the wrong way to put it, but when he would go in for and to run the offense without Luka, all those possessions were his. They've got a bunch of guys, right? There's a Hardenstein Mitchell conversation there. They're still trying to figure out these rotations. There's all these guys that play like 20 minutes. They're getting them in there. You know, Toppen gets his minutes depending on the matchup and the lack of size they're going up against. But I think the real concerning part is like I wanted RJ Barrett to be better because I thought there was like just a thing I saw from him where it was taking a next step. And I haven't necessarily seen that. And his life should be a little bit easier with Brunson being as good as he is. Like that should allow, it shouldn't like take away from RJ. That should allow him to get out there. But there's just, you know, Fournier still playing minutes. When you look at their stat log, it's like, oh yeah, there's all these guys that play all these minutes and they still haven't quite figured it out, um, which I'm sure Thibodeau's losing his mind over. Okay, the ninth team in the East, Washington, 24th on offense, 21st on defense, 24th in net rating. This team has the number one percentage of their points from two. That's 59%. Boston, on the other side, is last in percentage of points from 2, 43% to put 59% into context there. Uh, Porzingis has played well. I think he shoots it well still. Uh, the three's not exactly where you'd want it to be with that number. I think it's going to go up. He just looks really healthy. He looks like he's moving really well. And they have a really good scoring top three with Kuzma and Beal, who you just pencil in for you know 25-plus a game. You just need another guy for this team to pop. And I don't know who that's ever going to be. I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to be Rui. Denny has zero double-figure scoring games this season. Kispert's hurt all the time. And Johnny Davis, their lottery pick, is in the G League, struggling. So long-term, if you're looking at the Wizards, you're like, are any of these actual draft picks that you know we spent some resources on, and are any of these guys actually going to pop? And early returns are, let's just say, concerning. Number 10 is Philly. All right, this is the most disappointing team of the East. I'm going to go here for a bit, like Blake. Everybody here? I'm so sick of fucking tricking myself into liking them. And I know it's early, and if I go on some massive rant, then this will be used later on because I seem to have like a, a string of going off on something and having immediately the opposite happens. But then long-term, I'll be like, yep, see, I told you guys. Uh, there's so much I liked about what they did this offseason. Let's go through it because I knew I knew exactly what I was looking for because of what I've seen from them when they play. They're just lazy. This is a lazy fucking basketball team. Sorry I swore twice during the Sixers segment, but I'm just frustrated on your behalf, Philadelphia. And let's run through it. Okay, offense 11th, defense 16th, who cares? They're 26th in rebounding, right? Hmm. They run the second most isolations, Dallas number one. By the way, Dallas is running a ton of isolation this year. Uh, They're like almost 17 possessions per 100. Number one in the league last year was just under 12. And again, if you're thinking, wait a minute, it feels like there's more than 16 isolations in a Dallas game. The way they track it is a little bit different. Okay, so Philly runs the second most isolation, but their screen assists are 24th. Their loose balls received per game on offense Last. If it's a loose ball on their end of the court, nobody's going for it. Okay, what about defense? A little bit better on defense, but overall, they are 28th on loose ball recoveries. Lakers are last. They're 29th on contested twos. They're 24th on contested threes. They are last on contested shots in the NBA. They have the second worst clutch field goal percentage. It's early. They're a lazy team that hasn't figured out, like, for the life of me, a team that is collectively, these guys have never done anything. I mean, Doc's got a ring. And there's always this balance of, like, if you're a coach, like, do I get on my guys? Is that the kind of personality that I have with this team? Do I have to get on them to to get a result? Or do I have to keep telling them they're awesome all the time? And everybody's different. Some kids, if you're a high school coach, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, man, if I get on that guy, he kind of goes into a little bit of a funk. Or wait, this guy's in a bit of a funk. I got to tell him he's in a funk and he's being soft and whatever other words you want to use. And now he's going to respond because he's going to get mad at me and take it out of the opponent. All of us are different. I don't know what to do with Phil. Can you tell Embiid and Harden, like, hey, what the fuck, guys? Again, I swore again. I apologize. Um, Harden has... Um, is now at nine seconds per possession. That's second behind Luca. Stop me if you heard that one before. The Maxi thing might be one of the slight positives because Maxi has more touches than everybody in the NBA except for two other guys. So when Harden, full blown Harden, I was like, well, how's that going to affect Maxi? Maxi gets more touches because he moves. Right, this this basketball team doesn't move that much, and. So the maxi part of it, at certain nights, it's great. Harden, this is his third straight year at 33% from three. And I wonder if he, instead of hunting fouls, just shot the basketball, if he'd be back to that kind of 36, 37 range from three that we've seen during his prime. So the Harden-Maxi thing worked out okay. That's the one positive. They were 1-4, and went to 4-2. and They beat Phoenix, but Chris Paul did leave the game, and Embiid's missed four games. So the however part of this is that they're probably still going to be having a decent record, but the results that we've seen so far, you can point directly to all those numbers of like, hey, do they do this well? Do they like, Where are all the hustle stats and they're near the bottom in all of them, which is not surprising when you watch them play. You thought I was finished? I'm not. Brooklyn from one and five to go three and two in their next five. They're four and seven. Offense is 13th. Defense stinks. 22nd. Kyrie's missed three games. Durant's played in all 11. Simmons has missed four. The Dallas-Luca thing drove me crazy watching that game. Simmons not defending him. Yes, he got him in switches. Durant was the assigned defender on Luka. What is Simmons doing there if he can't? No one stops Luka. But the one thing we learned, as great as Mikael Bridges is, as a defensive player, when you watched it play out in that series last year, he is basically putting a quarter in this Luka slot and going for a ride outside of the pharmacy. All right? There's there's nothing. The only thing you can hope to do is contest Luka with somebody who's big. All right? And if he gets burnt, fine. But you can't have somebody just beat physically. And with Simmons, you're like, isn't this what you talked about on the podcast about how fucking awesome you are defensively? Swear jar. And he doesn't, he doesn't even guard him. And then he was benched. He played 16 minutes in that game. So we've already been through a million of the, the Nets stuff. Uh, I'm getting closer to being like, I think I'd trade these guys in season. Joe Harris doesn't look right. Claxton's been nice. Um, but there's just not, there's not, look, we've talked Nats a ton and we're going to do it with Bobby Marks. All right. A couple more teams to go. Miami's 12th in the East right now. Uh, this offense that I've never liked, and I still cannot believe that this team finished the number one seed last year. Uh, 21st in offense, 17th on defense. Uh, they were fourth on defense last year. So the offense has always been a little concerning. Butler's already missed a couple games. Lowry's played all 11. Bam's played all 11. Um, it's really seven guys. You know, you throw Struess, you throw Vincent in there, Deadman maybe. Uh, Duncan Robinson is 34% overall shooting, and he's a defensive liability. And that's contract starting to look like it's going to sting a little bit because it feels like they can't. He's not really part of this rotation the way he was in the past when he was hitting everything. Uh, they don't shoot the ball well, they don't take a lot of free throws. Uh, they're not shooting it well from three. They were they were first from three last year. This year, they're 20th. Uh, when things are going right, it's the Butler isos. It's the BAM shot creation for either himself or on rolls. It's Lowry making threes. Or it's Struess having a nice night, maybe to cover for one of the other guys. When it's bad, you're looking at him going, how does this team score with the elite teams? Charlotte, 28th on offense, 13th on defense. 27th in shooting overall. LaMelo, zero games. Rozier's missed seven. Hayward has missed three. Um, he's been okay. The center stuff, which was laughable last season, has been better because of Nick Richards playing more. Uh, Plumlee's the starter, but it feels like Richards' more of the guy. The problem here for them is the draft picks. Like, are any of these guys going to give you anything? Book Knight's played, the numbers aren't good. Kai Jones, uh, he jumped from 3.7 minutes per game last month to 6.5 minutes per game in November, positive sign. Uh Mark Williams G League stuff. They were actually 3 and 3, now they're 3 and 8. Detroit, 26th on offense, 29th on defense. Third most pick and roll behind Memphis and Atlanta, but their points per possession on pick and roll is average. Uh Cade is better. I think he is. Yes. Uh I'd like the numbers to be a little bit higher than 31% from three the last couple of years. I think when you look at this team, you just go, okay, is Cade going to be good? Yes. Is Ivy have a chance? Yes. It can be sloppy sometimes. I'm not worried. Um, Durin is a real thing. Yes. Bay is better than last year when he was super disappointed, but he's still not shooting it from three as well. Bogdanovich is good for them because he can shoot and he can catch and kind of dribble penetrate a little bit. So there's some things here where I go, it's really about liking some of the young players. And as of right now, I like some of those young players, but they have been getting stomped. Orlando's 15th in the East. They've actually not been getting stomped as much. They have eight clutch losses, which is three more than any other team in the NBA. The offense is 19th. The defense is 25th. Um, you know, they're a high, another high frequency pick and roll team they shoot it pretty well but they're dealing with their own injuries and that like when you're when you're a lottery team that's maybe going for Wimbanyama in this entire deal like i'm not going to get super concerned with you although i would say from a talent standpoint like there's a chance and sometimes that chance works out where you're like look at all these young talented guys and it's awesome and then other times you're like it's towns and wiggins and you're going is this really going to be the foundation of something great in the future and it wasn't, and the other side of that for Minnesota is TBD. But Orlando's still in that hopeful phase, same as Detroit, so I'm not going to sit here and start breaking down whether or not they run too much isolation, because it doesn't matter. Okay, those are your NBA midterms in the East. We'll do the West soon. The NBA season is underway, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 plus. FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. Okay, this one's going to be simple. I'm going to do an absolute sucker bet here. Bucks minus five and a half at Oklahoma City. All right? just feels way too loserish to go up and drop the five and a half. But I'm doing it. I'm going to go with just a straightforward but your buddy would do the first time ever betting an NBA game. FanDuel has all your favorite bets, from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. Plus, with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. So download FanDuel today. and Use the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N, to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued non withdrawable. Free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fired up to talk with Bobby Marks of ESPN, former front office executive. Okay, let's get to it on the net stuff because uh, I I think I saw you talking about it and I after I kind of listened and I felt like yeah he's right that the Nets should try probably just try to figure out a way to salvage this for assets and move on. So what what's your premise right now? If you're back running the Nets, what would you do with this team? Well, I think the first thing I would figure out, what I'm doing at head coach, right? I mean, I,
1: I would just give it to jo- Jacques Vaughn and let it like play out. Um, and see where this team is in the offseason, and if you got to go in a different direction because you've, you've gutted it, and you're going like the Will Hardy route in Utah, one of these younger coaches, um, that's why I'm a little bit, you know, take all the, everything else with Email going on, like why I'm like, well, why are you going to throw, and he's a good coach. Why are you going to throw up a Hail Mary? And a year from now, he might not be your guy, right? Like that's kind of like, I feel as it's like it's a shotgun marriage. So I think for me, um, I mean, it's been four games. Hey, they're competing, right? I guess you could say they're playing hard for, for Jacques Wan I would probably just leave it there. And I think the second thing is, and you got to figure out what are you doing with Kyrie, right? Like you're, they're in, you're out, like for both sides here. And like this suspension is going to be up by the weekend. They're going out West. Is he going to be on the court? Has he hit the checklist, <laughs> the six point checklist, whatever that is. Um, and if he's not, you, you know, he's going to be a free agent, send him home, right? Like just send him home and just ride out what you got right now. And if the Durant situation explodes, then you deal with it from there. But, um, I think those are your, probably your two big things here. Um, they're not going to be, you know, kind of where Milwaukee is or Cleveland. And then Simmons, like what is going on? Like the Ben Simmons thing and I said it in the offseason like the the how this team goes is based on Ben Simmons, Joe Harris and Seth Curry, guys who, you know, were coming off either in, in you know, offseason surgeries here. Like I mean, we're going to get just 20 minutes of Ben Simmons every night and three points and four rebounds and two assists here and um, you know, so like there's a lot to kind of unpack there but um i do think you get at you'll get to a point when you know you're four and seven going into the new york game you could be four and eight you go out west you could be i don't know five and 12 five and 13 so where you know eventually you're gonna have to kind of rip the band-aid off here
0: i just wonder if it's worth even going through the rest of the season um and normally, I wouldn't even ask that question. I'd go, hey, you still have a chance with this kind of talent. You know, let's let's see what happens. But Simmons isn't even close to being what he was when he was still a pretty flawed player. And they benched him at the end of the Dallas game. Like that Dallas game, I even touch on it in the open. That Dallas game was so frustrating for me, watching Simmons actually not be the guy guarding Luka and KD. You're asking KD to be the initial defender. Granted, there were switches where they got, you know, reassigned to the whole thing, but the assignment defensively, they didn't want to put Simmons on them. We saw a lot of the same stuff against Giannis. You're like, look, if you're if you're not around as a guy at this body type to at least try to get in the way, nobody's stopping these guys, then then what are you doing here? And then Jock didn't even go back to him because they wanted the spacing, which Nick Claxton even recently had just mentioned. I mean, his own teammate was like, "Yeah, when he's not out there, it's a lot easier for me." <laughs> which I thought was pretty revealing and rare. Well, yeah, I mean, you saw it in um, you
1: saw it in uh, Washington on Friday, and then you saw it at the end of Charlotte, right? Like, like even in the the Dallas home game, the game they lost in overtime, like, you know, like you can't like like everything is downhill. Like Ben Simmons is almost watching him as like a defensive back was given a 15 yard cushion. Right. Like it's just, and that's kind of, yeah. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, you know, we can go down the list of his flaws, but you know, at least you know, defensively like steals, rebounds, get out and go. And you know, it's, it's almost like a detriment to, um, you know, it's a $35 million detriment that you got for two more years. Like we could, like we could blow this all up and Kyrie can go somewhere and Durant, you, maybe you trade or stuff, but you're still going to have Simmons there. Like, I don't see the value for him all of a sudden, like, you know, the San Antonio, like take a flyer and on the, and eat, you know, on the, what, what he's got left or teams like that. I just don't see it right now. And, um, that's another thing, as I said, like you got to, like the Simmons thing is a big thing that nobody's really talking about because he hadn't played until that
0: Dallas game. Yeah. Because you owe the picks on the Harden deal, like it just makes it so much more complicated for them. And, you know, there's a big difference between saying, oh, all right, let's blow it up now. Yeah. Okay. You know, we're not going to be good. We'll be 10 games under 500. All right, everybody get to work. And it's not realistic to say, okay, give me your best offers around the league by the end of the day. You know, wanting to do something and then doing something that makes sense. But they are really, really stuck. They're totally, they're stuck in a way that's different than other teams. And I don't know if getting ahead of it is the right call. Uh, I don't know that it would necessarily be deemed impatient because they've been patient about certain things. But now if you, in theory, have all three guys coming back for a long stretch, Harris will look better eventually. You know, Is is there enough there to hold on to? But then at the same time, if you try to ride this out, are you going to be left getting nothing back for guys that are going to get mad again at some point and want out uh, as bad as it's been?
1: Well, and then the other thing, Ryan, is like, when is the 15-game Durant injury coming? right? Like it's like he's, it's, there's a track record there that there's going to be a, a lump of games that he is going to probably miss here. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, but you know, the wear and tear of his, you know, 37, 38 minutes is going to take a toll on him. And yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say, you know, I, you know, you know, you don't have to draft picks, you know, to blow it up here. Um, it might be another front office that's going to be, you know, building this this front this roster back t- together here I mean I went through it in you know in post boston stuff where like we hung on for dear life trying to salvage something and I you know we lo- we hired Lionel Hollins because we thought it was like that veteran coach that can kind of you know that Hail Mary type um uh, approach there and I just look at it this year like this is a really good has a chance to be a really good draft you're not you you're not gonna get a number one pick because Houston has the right to swap with you. Um, you could get, you know, you could get a high pick, you know, with what you already have by basically, if this thing bottoms out here, you could have the third pick in the draft. You could have the second pick in draft. who knows what happens in the lottery, maybe be eight or nine here. But, um, I think eventually that, you know, you're going to have to let go of, I said like the, the, the ghosts of the trades from the past, like eventually, like you, you can't worry about what you owe Houston for the health of the organization. And you're just going to have to, you know, to, to move
0: forward here. You mentioned the Lionel Holland's hiring. I want to stay on that and kind of just, if there's any stories about, you know, the baseball thing used to be like when you bring in a tough guy, the next guy has to be pro player. And then yeah. if it, and then if he's too soft, you need a baseball manager that gets on these guys' asses. And it's, you know, feels a little bit like guesswork. I think the Kenny Atkinson, Steve Nash has an interesting parallel to that. Um, that's why I don't have a, really any sympathy for the players like Nash was the guy you actually in theory wanted instead of Ketty. then you got him you couldn't handle that I don't know what's going on with the EMA thing you know there was people last week around the league were like hey they're they're hammering out the final parts of this contract here and then it doesn't happen um what is it is it guesswork? Is it the interview convincing you? Is it input? Like, what is that moment like when you're trying to figure out, not necessarily the X and O's guy, the personality guy, that's the right fit to get a little extra out of a lineup that maybe is disappointing?
1: I think it's, uh, I mean, for that process, it was so reactionary for us because we had, um, Jason, you know, the Jason Kidd situation was, You know, you know, Jason didn't want to be there. He wanted to go to Milwaukee. We traded him. For two second round
0: picks, right? And now you've got like By the, the way, can I jump in there? What, yeah. What's that like? I mean, the players get upset. <laughs> what's it like when the the coach goes, you know what? I'm out of here. Well, you we you know it's funny, I look I mean, that was in two
1: thousand fourteen. I look back on that because there were so many different light, le- it was like there were so many different tipping points, and um we had we were just um the practice facility like we were doing like a new like a grand opening of like the build out right and i remember like seeing jason like in a corner by himself <laughs> i'm thinking like oh you didn't really want to be a part of this and then the night of the draft and all that stuff but it you know like you could tell like it, it, it had soured um and there was already some type of relationship with milwaukee um so there was some back channeling i guess you could say and you know it was one of those first for me where you get on on a conference call with the nba on a trade of a coach (laughs) and you're getting two second round picks back and but it was so reactionary because we're holding on for dear life of that trade and you know we you know at the end of the day we rushed right like Lionel was coming off um i guess a few years back with uh, that memphis team with Zach and Tony Allen, those hard nose basically squeezed everything out of it. And you're thinking like, yeah, this guy, you know, we brought him in, we put him on the board. He showed us what he, what he could do with this roster. And you, you kind of bought in and he's a good coach, but you, you almost needed kind of like a softer player development guy, because eventually you're going to have, you were going to have to rip that roster apart. Like Darren and Joe and Garnett was still there. Um, Brooke was still there. Like, um, So you thought that he could fit with that, but it just didn't, didn't, you know, didn't work where the year before, you know, we went through when Jason Kidd got hired, like we went through a pretty thorough process of interviewing coaches. And then one day, like Billy came in and he goes, yeah, I think Jason Kidd's our guy. And I'm like, well, didn't he just start, stop playing like two weeks ago? (laughs) Like what happened here? So like, I, that's why you see these teams now, man, they bring in like 25, 30 guys because they're just. I mean, you're going through the thorough process. A lot of it is you're trying to get information that other teams do. Like that's like, you know, Utah brings in a lot of guys because you're trying to like steal like what other teams are doing here. But, um, you know, in that case in in Brooklyn, we you know, that was a rushed, you know, it was a rushed decision.
0: Let's stay with Utah. You are Danny Ainge. You're Justin Zanuck. You trade your players out. Uh, Now you're nine and three. And you're the one seed in the West. What is it like uh, when, when you're talking long-term planning for the season? What, what are those meetings like? Because it's like, hey, this is kind of awesome, but not really. I, you know, it's funny. I remember, and was, I guess it was mid-September
1: after they did the Bogdanovic deal with um, Olenek and talking to people close to that organization. And I said, like, all right, who's next? Conley, Clarkson, Beasley. And they're like, no, 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 25 games. They said, give me give us 25 games to see where this roster is. And um, we're at whatever, game 12 or 13 right now. And I'm thinking, like, 25 games <laughs> might be like 15 and five. They are like that's that starting pitcher that a, a team trades for and goes through the lineup, like strikes out seven guys in the first three innings, right? I want to see them go through the line, like teams are going to scout them a little bit differently. They're going to get teams a second time, a third time. I'm going to see if teams figure out, but they've got one of the great, like there's not a number one. I don't know. I don't think marketing's two, a number two guy, but they got like the, the greatest number three to 10 lo- roster, right? With marketing and Sexton and Clarkson, Beasley, Olenek, um Horton Tucker, guys like that. And I don't know what you do if you're like 25 and 15 and you get a good package for like um Conley and Clarkson and you can get draft picks maybe i don't think the lakers come back and uh, and visit something like that but man that's a tough. you're going to have like revolting in the streets of utah here because it's almost like for that orlando team from way back when doc rivers took over where like nobody really expected they were i think they were like 42 and 40 they finished like they they were the 8th seed here and you're almost like if you're going to be not in the the victor sweepstakes like these two and nine teams here you're almost like better off just letting us ride off right out and if you get a deal you get a deal if not you've got a nice baseline um to kind of work off going into you know into next year
0: yeah because then you could say well you know we'll have all these picks and we can trade for the next guy but it's just it's just tough when you're in the markets that we all know are kind of designated yeah. as the cool. You can trade for the guy, but if there's two years left on the deal, you you have a problem in a month and a half or a it's year. It's like and half. In the, you know
1: what it is, like Ryan when Paul George got traded at, um, from Indiana to OKC, and they went out and got Bogdanovic and Thaddeus Young and guys like that, and they had that nice run. They lose to Cleveland, I think, and then like we're all like, all right, what's next? right? Like what's, and that's the hardest thing. Like when you like exceed expectations and you're like a seven or eight seed and maybe I guess Utah maybe does fall back a little bit. Now you're thinking like your fan base is thinking like, all right, how do we get to three? How do we get to two? And that's, that's the hardest part. Like when you're building these rosters and everything.
0: Okay. Let's, let's now take that from the Mitchell trade. Um, if you're the Knicks, you have to be sick to your stomach. I'd imagine internally, uh, from what I had heard, and I think our information is pretty much aligned here, that you know the Knicks thought they could kind of wait this out that there wasn't real competition, and then Cleveland makes the deal. I loved it for Cleveland, to be totally fair because i've you know I watched a lot of Mitchell because I like him so much. I thought he was really frustrated there towards the end, and I'm disappointed that it leaked into his defense, especially when you look at that Dallas series. I thought it was kind of gross, and that he can when he's frustrated, force the issue offensively, but now that he's happy has probably a better fit around him he doesn't have to deal with all the stuff that probably got stale with him in utah i mean this guy's incredible and i still despite last year like i think of my all nba voting i had him like 17th you know i had him as there was one guy that missed it and then it was it kind of came down to like this butler siakam mitchell thing and I, i couldn't put mitchell ahead of those guys considering where the teams were so he still was really good now he's at another level if he keeps this up i don't know what all nba team he's going to be making But I can't, well, I I don't know, but I can guess, there must be some nasty days with the Knicks, considering what I had heard about the split of, no, we can wait this out, not give up our assets, we'll get Mitchell because there's no competition, and then we'll use the assets for the next player, when my point would be, you can get cute with it, but if you think there's another level above Mitchell that's available for this price, like, do this now and then add to Mitchell. And I'm, I'm sure there are people on both sides of that that are with the Knicks. And, and one side is probably a little more frustrated with the other. Well, I think there was some easy day or easy minutes during that 37-15 run in the
1: fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, like you're sitting there watching that firsthand. And I thought with, with Donovan, like top 25 player, but probably closer to the back end right? Like not a top 15 guy. Like he's defended his like, they're like that, the big knock on him, certainly defensively. Um Probably maybe the ball sticks a little bit, but there's been moments where he's, he's probably defended better than I've seen him in Utah. Um, if you're New York, like, Like, I think if you're New York, you got to go through this exercise again. And I think if you had probably a little bit more, if I, if I was the owner and I was more hands-on, I I would probably sit down in my front office and be like, all right, walk me through the Mitchell, what happened (laughs) and why we missed. Right. So when uh, the next Donovan Mitchell doesn't, comes about, like, we don't like, are we hoarding onto these picks too much? Do we value the picks too much? Um, Quentin Grimes. I mean, God, he can't even get on the court because he's been hurt. Um, like our younger players, like where are we with our younger players here? Because, like the picks are the picks, but you know three of them are protected here. And I think for New York, I think you they became a little bit cautious. You hit it right on the head. The people that I've talked to that they always thought Cleveland, was, um, um, Utah was going to come back to them, um, back to New York, New, right? Yeah, New York. That Cleveland kind of you know somewhat came in the back door a little bit here, um, and and put that package together here. But guys like that don't become available a lot. Like I don't know if there'll be one of those guys available this year. Maybe next. Maybe they will be. Maybe there'll be that disgruntled young player. That, but here's the thing with like the Mitchell thing, which is which is crazy. Four years left on his contract, player option to four years. So you're going to get him for at least three, in the prime of his career, to put him next to Brunson, and you know Cleveland. I loved it for Cleveland at the time. I I was texting with people in that organization when they did it and I said, for remove the picks from from the equation here, because that's starting in twenty-five. I said, at the end of the day, you traded basically for, you know, your first round pick, Obaji, and Laurie Marketing for Donovan Mitchell, because you didn't have Colin Sexton last year because he was hurt for most of the year. Like you have to look at it from that perspective here. And it's worked out for both teams. It's really one of those rare trades that at least for now, it's it's been a win-win for
0: both teams. Do you think there's going to be, you know, the next few years are going to be full of picks that are unprotected, that are going to be swaps, and there will be a correction to this correction? Like, where I felt like, hey, trading a couple picks that may land in the 20s, who gives a shit? Just do it. And now teams can't give them away quick enough. Yeah. And there's going to be some really weird drafts where you're going to go. Wait, what happened? And I wonder if it's a bit like, again, it's a weird analogy. It's almost like my thoughts on environmental issues. Like nobody's really going to wake up until their faucets start spouting brown water, right? Like nobody's, nobody's going to wake. Nobody's right. going to
1: wake up until a hurricane hits Florida in November, right? Right. It's going to be like <laughs> maybe
0: this. Maybe there are some issues here. Okay, and those far more serious than the NBA draft picks, but. I think there's going to be some awakening where like, why am I giving three picks and two swaps when like this team ended up with a number one player like three years in a row? Like again, we're we're still removed from it, but the market, the market is what it is. It doesn't feel like it's changing. I don't know that the market will change until it's like right in front of our faces going, man, was this a colossal screw up?
1: Yeah, I think eventually there will be. I mean, there's only what, nine teams that control their draft picks, I think, nine or ten teams in the next seven years. I mean, when, when you look at teams that, you know, between Oklahoma City and Houston and certainly Utah, you mentioned 14 first-round picks in seven years, which is re- you know, r- ridiculous here, um, that th- eventually there will be a market correction. Um, when that's going to be, it could be 2025. I mean, I don't think it's going to be, you know, in a year from now. But, um, yeah, I mean, there will be a time where we we wake up and be like, like, what just happened? And you kind of had it you had it right in front
0: of you all along. Let's talk about some of the young guys from those draft picks. Uh, any – how did you feel about the number one pick before this draft? And granted, Chet's not playing, so that's not entirely fair. Where were you on Paolo Jabari? Where are you now?
1: You know, I, the, the, the thing that concerned me with Jabari um, – was the guard
0: played in Houston? I mean that's he should, my that, he that's, should be used to it. I feel bad for him. It's like the same <laughs> he's thing he got again. the auburn guards a better version of the Auburn guards.
1: That's my thing like i like like some nights he's getting what three attempts i mean he I was looking at his numbers. he's shooting I think like fifty five percent of his shots are threes like he's like that's my like get, Porter and Green getting him involved is my big concern. Cause there are some nights when Jalen comes down and just like, I mean like 18 on the clock and it's things going up already. Right. Um, I think Jabari will be fine, but I just think like when you pick a guy that high, like, like you got to like put, sit your point guards or your guards down to be like, Hey, like he's part of our future here. He's just not a castaway here. So I think he'll be fine. Paolo. I mean, you know, playing with Wagner, Wendell Carter, I think that i like I like that front court here, um probably more mature than you you think you know you know he's acting more mature um you know, like usually you label guys like as the developmental guy, like you can put him as a top starter right now in the league here um you know, Chet certainly with the injury, like I like you know there's something like there's been. Certainly, Keegan Murray in the summer has probably been better than what we've seen in the regular season. Now I think it's a little bit fast for him. I think you know he was hurt in the beginning. Shane Sharp's been there's been good moments. You know, in poor. I mean, like that's an interesting. And I we talked about this before we went on. So Dwayne Washington, who's his uh, trainer in Canada, he works out with a lot of guys during the the draft process. I got to talk with him a lot, pick his brain because really he was like the man of mystery. And he's like Bobby, I'm telling you. He's like, at this age, he's better in Shea, he's better in RJ, he's better than all these guys. He's like, he just gotta, he's gotta be in the right situation. Like he's and I think in Portland, he is in the perfect situation. To the point, like we we're talking nets and I was like spitballing. I'm like, can you imagine? Like, what what would happen? I'm gonna throw a hypothetical at you here. What would happen if things really go in in the in the shitter in Brooklyn here? Would Portland would Portland pick up the phone and say, you know what? We'll give you Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, and Shaden Sharp for Kevin Durant. And what would Portland say? What would Brooklyn say, you mean? Yeah, um, what would Brooklyn say? And two picks. You know, they gotta right. like 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 that's like and I'm I'm Portland, I'm thinking like, you know, like
0: that's that's pretty enticing here. You, let me let me talk this out with you, okay? Because I'll admit with Sharp, you know the the times that I'm doing, and you know, like, look, I do my own draft stuff just because I got yeah. sick of reading everybody else's. And you know, we have our wins, we have our losses on it. I had a hard time with him because the access of what I could see, yeah, the eybl stuff was was very different from the guy. I, this guy is a dynamic player, and yet when I watched him in that stuff, I'm like, this guy already has like the james harden shit down where he was just i said but it worked but i still didn't necessarily really like it um and then once mike and joe took him i thought okay wait like if schmitz who we both really like Schmitz had the answers to the test before anyone else yeah that kind of made me go this guy (laughs) had better access to him than teams did and I would also say there was a couple teams that were really smart who I would put in the smart category, great track records, who when we were talking out like throughout the course of the season, hey, what order do you have it? Two teams in particular would, would include Sharp in that first group. And I was like, wow, OK. But again, for me, you know, I'm not going to any of the showcases. I don't know. I'm only watching whatever I can watch from that UIBL stuff, which wasn't. Like he made a lot of shots, but it was very weird the way he played. I don't know if you saw any of it, Bobby, but it was it was oddly like both impressive and unimpressive. And now, considering his age, you know he just had a birthday in May, and the stuff that like these little glimmers. But it doesn't mean we know what he is either, right? You know. So that's so back to I'd probably still say no. I'd probably still say no if I'm the Nets, but if it's I don't know if it's no better towards the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm just hypothetical. What about you, know? you? Would you say yes to it? If you're the nets today, probably not today.
1: Cause I probably think I can probably get something better down the road. Um, but if I have like, if I'm forced to do something and that's the best deal and I want to just cut bait, I probably would, you know, February, not early, um, uh, you know, early November here.
0: And look, there's probably some Trailblazers fans listening to us right now. After a couple of sharp highlights, being like, "We wouldn't do it."
1: It was. It's like the Scotty Barnes, like from the summer. Like Toronto fans were like, "I like I, I thought I, I was getting like people were going to pick at my lawn when I mentioned Scotty Barnes and Kevin Durant together. Like you know, like okay, I get it. You love them."
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, would you rather have Kate or Paolo? Probably Paolo. Kate, you
1: know. It, I'm watching, you know, Detroit, and I love how people say, "Man, this team plays hard." Like, yeah, they're one of these up and coming teams. You know, they and they did they played hard at the end of the year. I mean, I think they only lost four out of twenty four game out of the twenty four. I said I tweeted it like by ten points or more. Like they've got they've been getting the shit kicked out of them like this year. Like they've been non competitive. Like think five games they lost by ten points or more out of ten. And in the OKC game Monday night, it was a layup line in the first half. Like just not like and then they came back and won here. And um I'm a c i am I like Cade, but I think he I think where Paolo is right now, I think he's ahead. I think he is. I don't know if he's just non assertive sometimes in, in Detroit. Um you know, the Bogdanovic piece, like, you know, you get a good player, like what happens with Sadiq
0: Bey, like there's just a little it's just funky
1: there for me.
0: I like what the talent could be, so I'm not I'm not down on it. In the open, I mentioned, you know, I'd like to see Cade's shooting numbers be a little bit more representative of what he was in college. Um, I think he has stuff that other guys don't have, like other guys can score, other guys can make shots. But I think his control of a game is something that's that's pretty rare. But yeah, it probably feels like Paolo's maybe a little bit more like on the dynamic scale of like, whoa, what the hell was that? Which can trick you into thinking a player is better than the other one.
1: You know what? The one thing I like about him, he's got an edge, man. Like in yeah. some
0: of these, he's got an edge.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: like for the number one pick, he's got like a little chip on his shoulder there. Um, who would you rather have, Booker or Shea Gilders Alexander?
1: Probably Devin. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. Think it's the right I just answer, think there's but... Yeah. I mean Shay's I mean Shea's played well. I mean, he's played I mean, you look there's a lot of thirty thirty plus nights up there. I want a full body work. I want a full I want seventy games out of Shea. Like that's what I want. Like I that's that's I wanna see him finish a full season here. Like in, in Oklahoma City. Um, I don't wanna see him on a shelf come February. Like that, I don't wanna I wanna see him um, you know, a complete season here. Um you know, the one guy, the young the one young kid that's played really well is, is, is Matherin in Indiana. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when Indiana did the Brogdon trade and you know, he didn't get much for him. He just got fillers and dice ice and a future too. I mean, what it did was it just cleared out a spot, right? Like it cleared out a spot for Hal Burton and healed expand their, their minutes for healed. And it just gave Mather more of like an opportunity. He'll probably be in the starting lineup sometime. You know, I mean, he's playing 25, 27 minutes a night here. He little had a little bit of a, a, not a dud, but you know, one of his lower scoring games the other night against new Orleans here. But I mean, you look up, I mean, it's
0: 20, 25, 26 every night for him. Yeah, they're not. I, it feels like they're bringing him off the bench because it's worked. And hey, whatever. Yeah. And you know, we're not going to be very good, even if the record is is decent here. Um, I mean, there's no reason why he's not starting, other than hey, this has worked right now. And I think he's, you know, to say hey, he's 40th in scoring or 44th or whatever. But he's the personality part of him was the least concerning thing. And his personality translates perfectly to the NBA. Like, he's just like, I don't fucking care what you guys think you are, who you think you are, all this stuff. Like, I'm here to kick your ass. And that's how he played in college and why I, you know, like, there's dudes that are so talented, but it's like, okay, but does the personality part of it, like, is that going to be a positive or a negative for him? And with Matherin, to me, it was never really a question. And that's exactly what you're seeing from him.
1: Well, and the thing too is like, he's so much mature, more mature you know i think you know he's 21 20 you know he's he's plays so much more mature like his story is like they basically dropped him off in mexico you know at one of these academies and basically yeah. you know it, it, and the kid was homesick i mean i i talked to him for a while you know his, his brother dies when he's in a in a bike accident um you know he finds his way to arizona um so he's more i think he's just more mature than a you know a 19 year old coming into the league as a you know as a rookie.
0: He also killed it in the interviews. Like everybody that yeah, I talked to was like, hey we were right. your favorite interviews. Must have been the
1: guy who was prepping him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were prepping him.
1: What was yeah, uh, what was a, that like I sixty I had sixty guys this year. I had a lot of guys. Um you know it's it's some some guys you gotta go through one or two. He was great. I mean like I really you know like you really want to just dig in on like being on his own and which he was for a while. Um, and I think that just, that's just a, a translatable feature, right? Like that's just, you know, like, yeah, I mean the incident at Arizona, you know, I guess what, at the end of that TCU game that a lot of people made, you know, like you want to dig into that, right? Like what mm-hmm. happened and he was very upfront and honest about it. Um, he was good. I mean, he was, um, he was, he was high level and that hell, I mean, that helped him move up, you know, up the boards there.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I'd always heard was that he would be like, I have no choice. I have to be successful. And like, it was a really specific thing that he was doing. Cause I feel like there's so much coaching that goes on where it's like cliched and vague and like reveal nothing because you don't trust the kid. And to me, that's so insulting to the kid. And granted, there are some athletes that need a little bit more of the handholding, depending on what their life experiences was, you know, and look, I mean, we're just talking about different education levels, but I think it's a disservice so many times. And I'm glad you do it the way you do it, where it's like, Hey, hone in on the specific things and, and be revealing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Be, be revealing in that way. And, and honestly, if it feels more genuine, you have a better chance than going in there. Like, I'd hear story, you know, some 18-year-old kid being like, I'm here to win championships, and you're just yeah. like, okay, cool. Like, Yeah, you like, you know, it. I interviewed,
1: yeah. um, I mean, I'll say it. I mean, Cam, um, Cam Thomas in the Nets, um, I worked with him a lot last year, and I said, like, oh, yeah, like, um, who do you think you're, you know, who do you, who do, who do you play like? He's like, yeah, Damian Lillard. And I was like, all right, like, let's, you know, come on, let's pull back here, you know, like, don't turn, you don't want to turn off people. Right, like you don't want to turn off like people when you go into these interviews. It's it's good to be confident, but I don't want you to say like you know like I could be like Damian Lillard. I don't. You're not. You don't play like him right now. You know you're not at his level right now. So I do think, yeah, as I said, it's good to be confident, but I do think you have to kind of pull back a little bit too.
0: Honestly, for Cam Thomas, what I know about him, that Lillard's like his safety comp. I'm surprised he didn't say a little Isaiah that's Thomas. The was, with, all right. that's the one thing with the Nets with the with Jock taking over like
1: Cam was in like the witness protection program right like he finally came out in the uh the last three games here and they've given him an opportunity but he is um he is not short on
0: confidence to say the least no he is not <laughs> he's not I did when he, when he had the Instagram thing, free cam thing, like right as everybody's getting <laughs> fired and all this stuff's going on, you're like, Hey man, I get it. You want your minutes. Let's pick a different time to, uh, to do this. This was always a pleasure, man. So yeah, thanks for fun. doing it. Hopefully we can do it again this season. Thanks Bobby. I appreciate it. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. Okay, my college football top 12, and we'll take a look at how the committee rankings came out. I guess I feel like doing this on Wednesday now, even though we do have worse take coming back. Uh, I'm going to do it on Wednesday because I want to compare it to how the committee does it on Tuesday nights. Okay, so uh, no surprise here. Everybody should have Georgia 1, although I can't help but notice that other people like how do you how do you vote another team number one in the country after what Georgia did to Tennessee? They held the number one offense in college football without a touchdown or a twenty yard game for fifty five minutes in that game on Saturday. So we know that it was dominant. And when you have wins against the committee's number five and number six teams and it's dominant, I don't know how I don't know how an AP voter has Ohio State won. Uh apparently that Clemson voter not doing it again this year or this week. Um and then the coaches pulled two number one votes there for Michigan. I mean, it doesn't mean you're wrong, but it kind of means you're wrong. Ohio State, I'm moving them down to two. I told you that was going to happen after the winner of Georgia and Tennessee. And there's really not much to add to all that. I think it is much like the committee. I don't know how you put anybody ahead of Michigan. I wouldn't do it with TCU. The only weird thing is if it had been Tennessee and a really close loss, could you have talked yourself into keeping – a team like that ahead of undefeated Big Ten teams that haven't had the toughest schedule so far. The strength of schedule stuff is worse for Tennessee um, of really any of the ones that we're looking at here among the top, depending on what strength of schedule you're looking at here. But I don't, I don't really know that you can do it. Michigan's got the number one statistical defense in college football. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. They have TCU four. I have Tennessee four. Number two, strength of schedule. You know what we can stop, though? And I was texting with a dear friend about that this weekend. Can we stop with the LSU comps? Tennessee was weird. Because what? Their offense was really good, but their defense wasn't. They got a quarterback from another school that all of a sudden they were magically LSU. As I said three years ago during that LSU season, when you look at their defensive stats, one thing that was a little misleading is that some of the overall numbers weren't very good. Pretty average in a lot of areas for a team you're wondering if they can win a national championship. So I would point to that too. But when you looked at the game to games, you'd be like, you know, a lot of times they're up 20, 25, and then they give up a ton of yards and points later on. That's kind of stupid. It's like Vandy, I think, and then Ole Miss, Um, and even Alabama, where they were really in total control of that game in Tuscaloosa, and that the final score looked like a one-score game, and they gave up 41 points. So LSU was like misleadingly worse statistically than they were on defense and then they compare Tennessee to be like oh maybe they're going to be them well all you have to do is beat Bama at Bama stomp Georgia in the SEC title game 37-10 um, embarrass Oklahoma by putting 63 up on them in the semifinal and then be in total control of Clemson after an early blip in that game and and beat them by a couple scores so yeah just do all those things and you'd be just like you'd be just like them all right that turned into a weird historical LSU segment I'm not apologizing for it I originally had TCU 5. I'm just going with it. I think Oregon's better than them. Sorry, I just do. I know they've they've lost. Uh, they have Oregon 6th behind Tennessee. So we have the next three teams the same, but I have them in a different order. So I got Tennessee 4, Oregon 5, um, TCU 6. If Oregon play TCU tomorrow, neutral field, I'm picking Oregon. So the one loss, I'll be able to get through it. Number 7, uh, I like the committee have LSU there. I mean, in a weird way, you're going, wait, so how do I handle Bama? Um, I have no problem putting Bama ahead of USC. They have USC eighth. I have I have uh USC ninth. And you know what I did is I moved them to 10th. So Bama, we've been over this, and I'm gonna need them to lose a few more games before I'm ready to write off the dynasty. Uh Like I said, I had USC ninth. I decided to switch them with UCLA. You know, USC beating Cal, beating Cal, 41-35 at home. They don't have a single win against a ranked team. The only ranked team they played was the loss at Utah, which could have gone the other way. It didn't. They're 95th on defense and opponents yards for play. They have the better QB than UCLA. They have a far worse resume and resume in a, in a much worse uh, defense. So I decided to change that around, and I put UCLA ahead of USC, which uh, is not – let's see here. Yeah, everybody has USC, the coaches, AP, and the committee. Okay, I put Utah 11th ahead of number 12 Clemson when I finished this out, and as I did that, I sat, I sat by myself and thought about what I did I reflected on that moment. I go, hey, look, just because Clemson got stopped by Notre Dame and the QB thing is still ridiculous. They still have a good defense. I can't have them behind Utah with the two losses. So uh, I moved Clemson 11, although all of us are just like, I was going, wait, am I voting them 12th? Again, not a real vote. Don't get too worked up. Am I putting them 12th because I'm just kind of sick of it? Yeah, that's. but that's unfair. That's what a loser would do. Don't be like that. Be true to the form of what you're trying to do here. So I got Clemson 11, Utah 12, others. uh, UNC has nothing on its resume. I need one win that I feel kind of good about. I got none of those. Um, We've touched on Ole Miss here a bunch, but this is where it's going to get fun. This is where it's going to get really fun. It's going to be a reminder of what we are looking at with the 12-team playoff when you're like, cool, this team has a chance to play for a national championship despite doing nothing impressive for 12 games. this episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack, And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call? Old school guy probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said Do you want to go ahead with it. And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are: like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, to protect the things you value most. File a thing right on the State Farm Mobile app, just like I did. And even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Time for Worst Take. Uh, Again, the podium is Arenas on Giannis. It is Bart Scott, which is definitely looking bad. And then we put Perks, Lakers back court back on there. Although Lakers are pretty good defensively. Is there a chance? Perk could be right about this uh I'm not talking about I don't know they're 12 so I guess it's not that great uh I don't know just just something to be cautious of and then we've got the Laurie marketin one for Saruti where he went crazy on the who's got next thing and Markkinen's like an all-star right now uh I don't know if that one will play he has, still has time uh for that one you know what I'm gonna do why don't why don't we give it to you first, Kyle, if you have a nomination for this week, and then we'll we'll take a look at it. And then I'm gonna suggest something uh very personal here on the show.
2: Well, I mean, for the lawyer market, it's NBA midterms already. So I mean it's not starting to form, right? Just yeah, that was a the joke there. Um this one, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge not a huge college football guy. I will admit when it's fun, it's fun, and goddamn it, that was fun. LSU Alabama, and your buddy Danny Cannell. Are we sure beating Bama is such a great win? They're two plays away from being a f- five and four football team. I don't know. Was that specifically for you, or is that just the, what he likes to do? I haven't I haven't paid too, so much attention to. him, But this year, with the worst take and stuff, I have been. He's like he's in my rotation of like, all right, we'll see what Danny Cannell said, we'll see what Acho said. We'll we'll look, uh, you know, uh, Bart, Bart Scott's on the left. Just I'll just put in Bart Scott in Twitter to see if he has any more awesome clips. Um, but what the hell is that about?
0: I, you know, it's kind of, it's a bit like, you know, the Bama Tennessee game was one of the most fun games you could ever have. Like it was just that much fun. And the first thing he and Clat did was found a way to shit on it. And Big I dump. Went. That's crazy. Right? You just go. <laughs> That's like, crazy. All right, whatever. Like I don't know that I've ever. If like, Ohio State Michigan is this awesome game, like would I go? Well, you know, cool, but not as many draft picks. Not as many draft picks as you'd be led <laughs> to believe. Like I just. Right. I don't know. I mean, we actually used to do this segment with Canel that was pretty funny. It was just kind of like worst dude ever. And then it would be like, hey, I won the lottery. We'd be like, yeah, but what about the taxes, dude? You know, and you just be like, whatever. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't mention that. Uh, Is it a
2: bit? Like, is it a bit? It's not a bit, right? He believes
0: it and it's a bit. Okay. You can ask him in person. Everything all at once. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: will.
0: I will. Are you afraid? He's a former pro athlete.
2: He seems like a really nice guy. I don't know. Is he not? Uh, you wouldn't tell me here if he wasn't. So,
0: no, he is. A, he's a
2: nice guy, and he he's seems very, like a really nice guy.
0: Believe it or not, he's actually not confrontational at all. Like he's a very difficult. Like it's hard to argue with him away from the stage because he'll just be like,
2: "Okay, <laughs> yeah." Pre and post <laughs> tape, is like, "Fuck, this guy's awesome." Yeah. And right, even during right. tape he's great too. It's just like you feel like usually guys will turn it off. It's like, you know, the the smile like will go fall away or something. You'll be like, oh, you won't believe what the fuck happened at ESPN yesterday or whatever. It's not like never none of that. It's always like super nice pre and post. He's like, seems like the same guy all the way. And then he just throws out some crazy shit. I don't know. He does. Yeah.
0: It's a very weird, weird dynamic. I think at the root of all of the stuff where it comes into the conference stuff and college football. I think it actually speaks to like this competitive nature thing where he's an ACC guy. Klatt is actually a big 12 guy going back to Colorado. Cause I remember when I pointed out how biased like all the guys were, like everybody thinks it's ESPN. I was like, it's all the ex players. Like Desmond Howard, I'm not afraid to say some ridiculous shit. Like he had Michigan <laughs> back in the playoff. I think when they had a second loss just to leave an SEC team out. Um, when Ohio State got smashed by Purdue and then Ohio State won the Big Ten Championship, Clatt was just like, yep. it's you know." And Gus was like, all right, well, any debate for you on the playoff? He's like, not for me. And it was like <laughs> literally every other normal person goes, there's no way this team is getting in the playoff. And that's exactly what happened. So as I've spent a lot of time on this, and the reason I did that rant it was back at ESPN a bunch of years ago because I was like, I was just sick of, of like, we're the problem. Like, it's just us. It's we're the problem. It's all the ex-athletes that can't let it go who get pissed about another conference supposedly being artificially propped up and they beat everybody so um that's where i think it defaults to but the reason i always bring up the big 12 thing is that i think it was awful announcing or somebody that was like Rosillo goes at other people and then like the first thing they said was you know like they they just weren't on my side they were going like well clat was at the big 12 not Pac 12 because it was colorado and i you know as you're as you're doing live radio and you're just going off you're like okay whatever and yeah like i don't i don't hate another conference i don't hate another conference i can That'd hate arguments from it but i i think those guys hate the sec and it bleeds into the way they talk about it more so than you know like what they're accusing everybody of i feel like they are all collectively far more guilty of so you
2: know again so I, to, i've, I've so done that rant take, far too many times yes yeah, to save a third open today what do you think of <laughs> it's crazy right it's crazy right that's uh, crazy yeah I guess it's almost like I'm desensitized to it. All right. I thought I would have you with this one. Guess not. I should have known better. They come at you with a canal take then. I want <laughs> You'll ban Skip. I'll ban Danny. I'm not going to do any more of those. No. I want a better I reaction mean, next time.
0: Florio hat. Like you, when you say the Florio hat thing, like it's just people send them to us every other day. Yeah. Like I true. almost feel like it's not fair. It's like playing with Belfort. You know, you like, you just can't, you know, you're gonna play with Chicago. What are you a dick? Okay. Uh, I'm nominating myself again, and I think it should replace Perks. The Tua thing is aging really badly. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yes, there was a, an, they had, you know, NBA Math has a site. It was QB Math. It was like total points added, total yards added at quarterback, and he's number one in those. Statistically, he's so good. He's number one in QBR. When you're over 80 in a QBR, that's nuts. He's completing 70% of his passes. The touchdown interception split is 15-3. to three. He's number one in yard. So it's not like he's just dinking and dunking. Yet, I didn't think he was good in week one. I thought he was bad in the first half against Baltimore. And they had six touchdowns. I didn't think he was very good against Buffalo. I didn't think he was very good in the Cincinnati game. And then he got hurt, right? So then it was like, are you allowed to criticize him because everybody feels bad because he got hurt? All right. I thought he was terrible against Pittsburgh. And then when you look at the full scope of what he's actually been statistically, I'm like, all right. So I think it should be, I'm nominating myself. Here's what I said. I'll say something that I don't think will is going to be popular to Miami fans. Do you want me to get aggressive? you want me to share a take I'm afraid to share? Something you think about at home and write down in your legal pad and go, I can't say this after week one. I'm going to say, I feel like two was a backup. That was after week one. It was this exercise of something I don't want to say out loud, but a thought popped in my head, but I'm going to say it out loud, and then I said it out loud, and then he threw for six touchdowns the next week. So I think it should be on the podium. I think it should
2: replace Perk. I I would agree with you, and I think that's a really good checks and balances. really shows you we care about this thing. Um, yeah, I think it was crazy, and even at the time, I don't like, I really don't like Dolphins fans. I was cool with the Bill's being good and, you know, the Jets, I don't know, but I didn't, I never wanted the Dolphins to be good. And even though you, I was hoping that you were right, but even when you said, it, I think Bill took a big dump on Tua like a week before that. And I was just like, I don't know, guys, I really hope you're right. But it feels like this is exactly the opposite of what's going to happen once you say this because you're right. It didn't look good, but it just, the way you said it and Bill said something like pretty inflammatory the week before I was just like, I don't know, guys, I feel like this is going to come back to bite me. So um, I think you're right. We'll, I, I would vote, since it's just two of us, I'll vote to put that on there. We'll, we'll take Perk back off because he was number three anyway, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's, let's take it off. We'll leave the other two on.
2: This episode is brought
0: to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? I don't have soccer practices, whether my age or someone else's age. So I like to try to figure out how to maximize my time because I have more time than others. Whether it's going for a run, getting a workout in. My favorite thing, I love to read and I love to go to my spot and try to veg out and not think about anything else that's going on in my life or my day other than that escape to just dive into a book and be outside. And I'm lucky that I get to do that. The best way to squeeze in that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, Ryan. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari,
2: 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Life advice. The email is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. There may need to be an additional addressing of a topic that's become very controversial on the emails. As Kyle submitted uh, plenty of of emails. He's like, do we need to talk about this? So we will save that topic for after because we don't want to derail it like I just did during Worst Take where I did another SEC rant that half the audience has already heard seven times. Um, But the audience is growing all the time. So they tell you to repeat yourself a lot. (laughs) Judge Judy, they'll tell you the case
2: five times before it's over.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. There was some Mike and Mike stats. They'd said like they'd been on for 12 years and they said 50% of their audience was in the last 12 months and i was like what i don't know if i believe that or not every now and then they would they would throw us a
2: radio stat and you'd be like that yeah that's not true they're always coming up with new new ways to do stats and stuff and it's like oh actually we've been doing it wrong you know there's actually a, you know 70% less than what we thought <laughs> it's like we'll do it, you know we we'll, we were doing it wrong sorry this actually counts for seven times instead of one and just a weird loophole you know, it's just uh, stats are <laughs> they're always changing, and everybody yeah, wants to right. use the best stats, so they'll find the weirdest way to do it. So,
0: yeah, I would I would agree with that.
2: From blocked to
0: relationship, you tell me. Huge fan of the pod. Thirty years old, one ninety, taller than Tom Cruise. See, guys are catching on, man. Little community here. All my friends think my pickup basketball comp is Chris Paul. Sorry, Rizzillo, but I hate CP three. So I like to think of myself as Boris D. I'll play at my own pace. Insane court vision. Mean baby hook. Not sure why I'm reading the rest of this now. <laughs> so I used to live with a really good friend of mine for a few years. and He had this girlfriend who was clearly out of his league and she and I always got along. Uh-oh. Long story short, they broke up. And after a year and a half, my buddy went down the deep end trying to get her back, which led to her blocking him, me, and our other two roommates on Insta, Facebook, and our phone numbers. Jesus Christ, she blocked all of the roommates? The core four. The core four went down. You guys were restricted access the rest of the way. Why the phone number? Like, was
2: anybody texting anybody? Maybe there was a group chat one, you know, for a meetup somewhere one time. And she's like, yeah, that's dumb too. Um, all of this happened about
0: two years ago. And my friend moved to a different city far away know where this is going. For context, we we're still great friends, and he's doing well, but deep down, I'm sure he still misses her. His ex-girlfriend still follows me on LinkedIn, however, and likes all of my posts.
2: <laughs> That's funny. The last resort, LinkedIn. Been there. The last resort. <laughs> I bet she forgot about LinkedIn. She did. <laughs> How many posts are
0: guys doing on LinkedIn on on an, all right, an it's average. all garbage. It's all garbage. Whatever it is, it's all garbage. All uh, right. So she likes all of his posts on LinkedIn. And uh, recently, as I'm walking in a bar the other night, she was walking out and gave me a huge hug and said, SO, all caps, good to see you on the SO. I feel confident if I reached out on LinkedIn to get her number, she would be down to get a drink. Should I make a move? Will this permanently damage my friendship even though he moved away? Yes. He probably would be in my wedding, so keep that in mind. Not this one. (laughs) I feel like this is a rom-com script, but love some advice. Love the pod. Okay. The way the title of this led was that I thought, like, this is a real... You're ready to just flame on your buddy's relationship here who would be a core guy to be in your wedding party because she liked a couple updates on your digital resume. I thought you were a little further along in the game than this. And clearly she's out of, like, you know, I'm guessing like she's out of your league too. So that's why you'd be willing. I mean, that's again, all the calculation. Like I would never do that to my buddy, uh, except I do it for her. Because that kind of <laughs> right. female doesn't usually ever talk to me. Um, I would, if the front, like you said the friend was already bummed out slightly still like why would you again we know why you would want to do this to him or why you would do this to him i just need a little bit more evidence that it's worth you jeopardizing all this shit more than linkedin
2: and one hug kyle yeah maybe she just liked your shit because she wanted you to endorse her creative writing skills on LinkedIn. Maybe she just well, hoping you'd get the hint and that you'd so, endorse all of her skills or something. Um, uh, that aside, if you were going to works move, at
0: PetSmart and she loves <laughs> animals,
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe she was really passionate about what you were posting. So I, my thing is if you were going to make the move, you should have done a little, something a little more in that bar in that moment than like, be like, so <laughs> whatever you're going to open with on LinkedIn. Um, you, you know, I'd say if you are going to make that move again, like maybe just go to that bar if maybe you're if you want to see her, I wouldn't reach out on LinkedIn. Um, I, I don't know. This is this is messy already, but um, I don't know, like maybe you're maybe you're a thought maybe you're not even going to date her, though. Like, that's the other thing. Like, if it's like uh, nobody's ever going to know except us and everybody who listens to this podcast, like. You know, maybe it is okay. I don't know, but uh, I definitely wouldn't be thinking about getting into a relationship, especially if you would like to remain friends with your with your friend. So I don't know. This is all weird, and it sounds like maybe, maybe he went a little bit weirder during that breakup than he led on to you. Because it's not a normal thing to block everybody to block the dude everywhere and his friends everywhere. So especially if the friends weren't weird, I was wonder I would wonder if your buddy got a little bit strange when they called it quits. And uh, that could definitely be something to consider, you know. Regardless of how hot she is, I like what you did there, Kyle. Very much a vet move. You
0: should have stayed on it that night. You should have used the hug as like an impact, a decision, you know, impactful thing in that moment because it would have been then more organic. You're talking, you're catching up, you're shooting the shit. Now, if you hit her up on LinkedIn, does that mean you're still blocked from everything else and that's the only access? I mean, granted, she could have sure he's checked. I'm sure he's checked. And again, you could still be blocked because she just forgot to undo it all. Exactly. Uh, That's usually the case. Yeah. Which isn't like a terrible sign. Um, But then, you know, to go, hey, you know, follow up for a couple of shooters and sidecars in the moment as opposed to, ah, hey, what's going on? Like, just was thinking about you as I was updating LinkedIn again a week later. (laughs) The thing you could do, even though I'm not sure how much I want to help the guy out, is you could just hit her up and be like, I have a question I have to ask you. I'm dying to know the answer, whatever. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, you, it might be a little weird to like the mystique of, can I get a cup of coffee and ask you about it? Then she'll be like, what the fuck is this? And then you come in sort of playful guy, like down for just being playful buddy, where it's like, why did we all get blocked? unless you already know the answer to that too. But like, if you don't, that's a good conversation starter. And then you should be able to pick up pretty quickly based on the answers and the vibe. If you have any kind of chance whatsoever. But again, I'm not sure I a hundred percent want to help you because you just don't give a shit about your buddy at all. You don't. And, and you don't have any evidence that you should even pursue this.
2: Here's the way you could sort of trick yourself into thinking it's not bad karma though. If that's the place where she will maybe be again, Maybe, and if you like that bar that you ran into, or maybe that's your spot for like a month. Not like, I'm not saying go there every day. I'm saying when it's natural to go out, you're like, you know, then it's like, oh, I was in a bar and she walked into it. It's not like, now there's no LinkedIn paper trail. There's no fake question and coffee. It's like, I was just minding my business and she showed up. And then it's sort of a fun thing. We're like, oh, will she, won't she come in today if it's like a Friday night and that's your place. But outside of that, it, you know, you're kind of going to be doing a bad thing. And even if you end up hanging around at that bar, hoping that she'll walk in there, you're sort of doing a bad thing. But I think you could sort of trick karma into just, you know, circumstantially putting her into your life rather than, you know, following up uh, on LinkedIn. That's another episode we're working on. Karma tricks. (laughs) Kyle's, Kyle's I got so many t-shirts, man. I I hate that I've got no t-shirts to bring to Denver. I wish we had a few. I've heard there might be some sort of swag, but t-shirts are the best.
0: You're going to make, Kyle Crichton, the EP of Karma Tricks podcast, season one. Okay, Just give
2: me shirts rights. That's all. Just give me shirts rights.
0: Done. You can have that one too. <laughs> okay, uh, wife is working overseas, and I may sell my company. Thirty years old, six two, two twenty. Don't hoop as much as I used to because body is breaking, but I can still dunk. My wow, bench, squat, deadlift total is fifteen hundred pounds. Strong dude. My wife is English, but she grew up here in the USA and went to college here as well. She's been able to go back for at least a month, a year, spend time with her extended family her entire life, and she's always wanted to work in London for a little while before settling down and having kids. Opportunity came up within her job to move over there this summer, and I supported her. I would rather her do this now for two years than resent me for not letting her do it 10 years down the road. Uh, She's been over for three months, and I'm just now able to come visit for a month. Before I go back, pretty much this will be how it goes for the next two years. Every three months, I go over for a month. Every six months, she has about four weeks or so. She can come back and split up however. All right, so he gets to go over for a month every three months. Every six months, she can use up four weeks. With FaceTime, constant communication, et cetera, this isn't that terrible, but I also think it would be very cool and fun to live in London for a few years pre-kids. Her and her best friend who moved over at the same time as her, are able to travel Europe together every weekend. Uh, they aren't going to my wife's family's place in the country. Just outside of London of this, I am very jealous. So, all right, they're really maxing out. However, I started up a company this year with a close friend, and it's going quite well. very busy with this. We plan on raising our Series A in January or February. The main dilemma I have is that we received a good buyout offer recently that would get our investors a nice little profit along with uh, net both my partner and I out mid-seven figures after tax. Cool. Whoa. All right, so again, let's read that sentence. The dilemma I have is we've received a good buyout offer, get our investors a nice little profit along with a net, both my partner and I out mid-seven figures each after taxes. Well, I miss my wife, and leaving the startup life to go hang out in London would be fantastic. I don't think we should take the offer. It's not retirement money. I have no idea if I'll ever have another idea that has great traction like this one does ever again. Our main competitor recently raised a $40 million round, which is why we are in, quote, hot demand. My business partner wants to soldier on a go for it. I do as well. I just want to back up that I'm not fucking up my marriage over a few shekels, and this is a rational way of thought. Cheers. All right. Really good uh, problems to have here. Well, I'm not any kind of... um, fortune teller or whatever. I just wonder, I don't know what exactly it is that you do. You're not sharing that with us. Okay. Is it anything that could get fucked over in the next couple of years? Right. Cause there's a bunch of signs that tell you things aren't exactly great coming, coming up. I don't, you know, I don't know how bad it's actually going to be. None of us do. If I did, I would prepare, but I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking know. So my first thing would be like, okay, is there any chance you cash out? You're talking a lot of money. I mean, you're saying it's not retirement money, but it's money. If we're talking millions of dollars here, five, five, six million dollars. Like, could you be putting that into the next thing? You know, could you be putting it aside for whatever? Could you have cash reserves for the next big investment if all of a sudden everything's on sale and you have cash to burn? So that would be something. But the other thing I would ask you is the startup that you're doing, like, is this your passion and something you want to grind and do for a really long time, then you'd be right to turn it down. You know, sometimes when I hear like startup guys t- touch on something, it's like, do you even care about this product? Do you care about the service? Do you care? Or do you feel like you sort of found some little niche thing that you're hoping to sell in two plus years? And I feel like that's a lot of it. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I'll just starting this thing. Hopefully somebody will go ahead and buy it. And here you are where somebody wants to go ahead and buy it. And you're figuring out, wait a minute, we don't even necessarily want to sell it so whatever it is that you're doing you're far more educated than me than guessing at what it is and it's simply the decision of do i feel like economically things are going to be strong enough for the next couple of years that our our company will still grow and that we could get to like that next tier of money where it starts to become fu money and if you are down for that grind and your partner and you are aligned and it's about you know every day is about this company and all this stuff because you're going to have plenty of free time with your your wife overseas then I admire that. And I would be the person to be like, just keep grinding. You're 30, keep grinding because the rest of it's going to be that much better by continuing to grind now. I haven't really touched on the wife part of it because I think that part of it's awesome. I would love to have this set up. My wife is gone all the time. Sweet. Um, she's deciding to do something for her that she wants to do now. You're really asking yourself the same question. So if you're cool as you've been cool, allowing this to happen and allowing feels kind of like, you know, a weird word today's, but we get the point here, right? Well, not giving her a hard time about it, basically. Yeah. You are supportive of this decision for something that's unique and would be an absolute non-starter for other couples. I'd be like, yeah, if I can stay there as long as you want. Um, you have, this is a negotiation, right? Like you've done something for her which is pretty extreme and been like, all right, cool. I'll work through these couple of years. And if you don't want to sell your company, I think that would be like the conversation going like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to move over there right now. You know, I'm, I'm thinking the long haul. I'm not just cashing out for the millions now, which is what, you know, most people would do because clearly you are super into this and maybe you have it wired perfectly. And you know, the, the reason you got that offer is because it was a low ball offer and somebody's trying to fuck you over. You know what I mean? Like all these things are in play here. But I would think it would come down to that, that it's pretty simple, that if you've been supportive with her doing something that's very unique and can be challenging for most relationships, she has to be able to reciprocate that with your vision of what you want to do. And I think you're kind of halfway there already, to be honest with you. I don't know how she could tell you, hey, that's bullshit. You're not selling your company and moving to London with me. Because it would be totally unfair. I would. It's a bad think. sign. Yeah, <laughs> right. It'd be, sign. it'd be unfair of of you to say to her, "Hey, it's bullshit. You want to move to London because you're not really ready." You guys are what? You're 30, so you're about the same age. I'm just assuming, or maybe she's a little bit
2: younger. Like, do all this stuff now because the end will be a lot better. Um, a couple questions that I don't even know if there are answers to. If he wants to sell and his buddy doesn't, can he just basically sell half of this company to this buyout thing and they'll wait his buddy out? Is that how it works, or is it like? you know, if I don't want to sell, we're not selling. Like, is it not even his choice is my question. He said his buddy doesn't want to sell. He doesn't sell. No, his, really buddy does,
0: his buddy doesn't want to, right. His buddy, and he and the buddy agree. You
2: got right. that, right? But okay. if he decided he did want to sell, because I mean, that's what he's saying. He's like, maybe I just want to take the company, like sell the company and then plot while well, I'm in London with all my you know, swimming in my money for six months and figure out what I want to do. I'm saying if he did decide to go that route, can he even do it? If his buddy's like, fuck you, no, I'm not doing that. Like, can he just sell his percentage of the company or is it like, is that not an option? I guess I'm saying, I'm wondering if it's even an option for you because, you know, if it if your buddy's like definitely not going to go with it and it's not, and you know, going to torpedo any sort of deal, then maybe you don't even have to worry about it. But so, you know, I'm sure we don't have a, an answer to that. And, you know, if you're good with, you know, I guess my thing, I'd be like, you know, European men, she's, that's it. But um, outside of oh, that. Oh, wait,
0: you'd be a worried, you'd be worried about the European men.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially if she's getting you know, she's going everywhere. She's getting, you know, she's getting Italian, uh, propositions. She's getting French propositions, German propositions, the Germans, probably a little more aggressive. On, don't yeah. sleep
0: on the Germans.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just, you know, I think when you go away, sometimes it's just, it's, it's easier to like do something wrong. I don't know when you're, when you're away for like long periods of time. I just think it's probably easier to do something wrong. And, um. I don't know. I would just be, I would just be worried about it. But it sounds like he's going over there every month, or every three months. He said every for three a, months for a month on. at a time. I don't know. Why can't you go for a couple months and just see if you're if you'd like to live there? I don't know. I don't know why you if you could take a month off every three months. What is that like quarterly or something? Like I don't get why is why can you only get a a a month every three months? Why can't you just put a, put them together and work on the phone at weird hours and just see if you even like it? it sounds like you have a lot of disposable time anyway yeah you both have great things going on right now so i would i would just
0: stay on the path of whatever you're doing the rest of it'll figure out like why can't you just move to london what if she loves it there and and she goes you know eventually i want to why can't you do that in four years and just move there and be there and do all the stuff that you necessarily like want to do now i gotta add a little thing here he sent in a a sweaty topless pic of himself (laughs) i have no idea Like, normally, it'll be like, hey, I'm in shape. I'm not in shape. When guys are sending shirtless pics of themselves, this guy just sent it.
2: Oh, just uh, like a fin, like at the end. (laughs) Yeah. It's attached at the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what do you think? I think he wants you to say something other than just uh, here it is. It looks good, man. All right. you look good. good. Yeah. All right. Hey, you don't cheat either, pal. You be good as well you're over here by yourself too. Those are some big numbers.
0: God, 220. He doesn't look 220 in this picture, but 1500 pound club. That's not fucking around. All right. Uh, let's address something here that needs to be addressed on the podcast. The standing up in the plane thing has, has basically taken over the feed. Uh, I don't know which one to, grab. Oh, we'll do this one. All right. People are super pissed. I mentioned, and again, I'm always window. The one time I was in the aisle recently, I stood up as the plane had landed to pack my bag up. And the woman behind me was like, can you, can you move your ass out of my face? And I was like, yeah, I, no problem. And then she was like, keep looking straight ahead. Like she was really, she was an aggressive. She aggressive, knew what she wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous that I sort of just laughed it off. I was like, whatever, I'm not not entertaining this um and people are losing their shit that i stand up on a plane again to emphasize the plane had landed and it made its way to the gate all right somebody eventually has to stand up you're right no one can stand up in the window or aisle seat because it's fucking insane um but somebody has to stand up eventually to pack up your stuff get your stuff out of the overhead. and I, I'm blown away that people don't quite understand that, like, yeah, like, all right, I'll stand up and stretch out because I'm in the aisle. Um, but no, people just not having it. So here we go. Uh, this guy said full alerts, so a way to explain it. Okay. Um You said it was almost as bad as clapping when the plane lands. I I push back on that one. All right, here's a way to explain to Ryan how bad it is using his own rationale from an old life advice, the Chipotle hot sauce bottle thief. We talked about like Tabasco or Cholula everybody taking it essentially standing on the plane is selfish bold underlined as nice as it to be there's simply not enough room for all 150 passengers to stand up and stretch their legs after the flight sure ryan i want to stretch my legs too but that doesn't mean it's my right to stand up when the plane lands and stand in the aisle also <laughs> when you stand in the aisle you're blocking people in rows behind you may need to hurry off the plane to catch a connecting flight and nah, if you say that's not oh whoa kyle says he doesn't care nobody cares about you at the
2: airport that's it i'm done And if
0: you say that's not your problem, that's bullshit because you cite the simple fact that, quote, act like they're better than you if they're five rows ahead of another person or get the window seat when it's merely luck. Um, So while, yes, it's fine if one dude takes the Tabasco bottle that's sitting out at Chipotle, what if everyone thought they could do it? And yes, it's fine if you stand up in the plane lands Ryan. But what happens when everyone thinks they're entitled to it? hope to hear you explain this on the pod um, and put Ryan's head in the pretzel because I couldn't be more shocked. Here's the thing. Eventually, somebody needs to stand on the plane. No one needs to take the Cholula bottle. Right? Yeah, that's an easy one. That's an easy one to yeah. Right. As far as the connection, at what point did you assume that because I'm standing up, I just boxed everybody out, fucking Rick Mahorn style. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm in 20. I stood up to stretch. You're in 28. You're not going to Orlando tonight. Fuck you and your family. <laughs> now, if somebody plans it out and ask the flight attendants, hey, I have this connection. It's not going to happen. Whatever, whatever. I've seen that guy take so many fucking L's getting off the plane in my life and I would gladly stay in my seat. Okay, cool. You're going to move up a handful of rows. All the people in the front don't give a fuck about you. Not saying it's right, but it's what happens. And I'd also submit this. I think that I'm losing my shit connection person is lying half the time anyway. And I'm still telling you I would stay in my seat and get out of their way because it doesn't really fucking matter to me. None of this really matters that much. When I stand up, I don't stand up to rush forward. We've already talked about how much that person sucks. You know, same as the elevator where they get on before you get off and you're like, first time on one of these fun, huh? I'm pretty excited. Look at all these buttons. Uh the same thing with playing. You're like, oh, cool. You, you moved up from 32 to 26. And fucking, man, what's the rest of your week going to be like? This is going to be amazing, huh? Um, but yeah, I've run into a lot of the people going like, oh, my connection, my connection. Or my other thing is like the security gate where everybody cuts you. You know how many times I've had them be like, yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead. You're going to miss your flight. Everybody's trying to do the same. And then you show up and the guy's at your flight. That's happened to me a bunch of times too. <laughs> You're like, are you serious? You mauled your way through that entire thing and then... Your flight was even <laughs> so, uh, I think what's happening here in this email is that you think you're making a ton of good points and the extra points you're making for me, my side of it, making your argument worse. I will submit again when the plane lands and it's at the gate and I'm in the aisle, which almost never happens. And I decide to stand up at some point because everybody has to fucking leave. I don't see anything wrong with that for you suggesting that everybody can't do it. Yeah. No shit. No shit, middle eye, middle and window guy can't really stand up. That's we get it, man. Geometry. It all makes a ton of sense. So uh I'm not I'm not addressing this anymore.
2: I, I got, a, think few I got okay. a few things. I got a few No, no.
0: I'll do I'll do it with you here now, Kyle. I just okay. I don't know how much more time we we got on this one.
2: I'm gonna be short. I I mean I like that the guy was standing up for all the sitters out there, but I just don't think he went about it the right way. I'd say a couple of things uh it, like a it's just straight up ass to face nobody likes it nobody likes it and there's really not a great way around it uh two it always ends up like i agree with you 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 say you got to stand up to be efficient with the exit process but i think it's always no matter like it's like 10 minutes before they open those doors it seems like you know after you after the light dings and they're you know getting the unloading the bags or whatever it's like it's 10 minutes of that before anyone like seems to move and I feel like it's like red lights. My dad loses it because when we're at red lights because you can see the red light. There's 10 cars in front of you and everybody gets off their gas after the other one. He's like, if everybody just went at the same fucking time, you know, we'd all be moving. There'd be no traffic. But because people aren't paying attention or whatever, it's still like you still 10 cars back and you don't get through the green light, the green light for another minute because you're watching everybody decide to hit the gas. And that's still what it's like, no matter... Whether they're standing for the full ten minutes, whether you're standing two minutes before it's time to grab your bag, you're still not going to get to go until the people in front of you go. Is my point. And so there's just a bunch of ass in face to you know to pretty much be out at the same time because it's like you have to count on everyone else to do it correctly. Nobody ever does it correctly. So there's just people in thirty six, you know, in thirty six B with ass in their face. That's all I mean. Or me, which who's you know a respectful, yeah, a respectful sitting guy in in uh, A with an ass in his face. And, you know, it's just, and it's an ass, it could be an ass from anywhere in the world, really. It could be, you know, could be a huge ass. It could be a stinky ass. It could be a hygienic ass. It's just, it's, it's, just. there's really nothing you could do about it. So I just think that, you know, if you stood up a minute before, how long does it really take to get your bag? Or you, maybe you're going to grab your jacket out of it or stuff your jacket into it if you're changing weather conditions. But other than that, like how, how much do you really need? Yeah, maybe get your charger situated, get the book squared away. But, you know, it's not 10 minutes. That's all I mean. Leave I mean, your I think there, again. I, I think there's a respectful amount of time that you could be standing. That's all I mean. And listen, it's it's not illegal, so I, you know, I just I just no, think it isn't. I just think differently.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you have to get up and get your stuff from the overhead. So yeah, the question getting, is, what point? That's what I mean. Stretching your legs and like you already had somebody's arms all over your arm for the however long the flight was, and yeah. You're fucking right. If I'm going to Europe and it's seven hours with my legs, the war these knees have been through.
2: Hey man, we're all different. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna get crushed, but I, I think that guy's points were the wrong points. That's all. I'm just at a loss. I'm at a loss for thinking that
0: <laughs> you would you would have overhead stuff and you would sit until there's this magical, like it's really make believe, this perfect moment. Where it's like, I did not impede anything. Uh, There was no violation of personal space, which has already happened on the entire flight in the first place. And you're like, okay, now I shall stand to keep this perfect, this perfect train of efficiency. It's like merging merging well. It doesn't do happen. Like, by the way, your father's red light thing is psychotic to begin with too. Like if if everyone were aligned that if it hit green, the entire line would take off from the yeah, starting shout line. Yeah, shut up to self-driving the same, cars, dude. Yeah, that's psychotic. That would never yeah. work. Everyone would crash. <laughs> but you'd be better off eventually at some point standing up getting your stuff out to keep that line moving. Uh, yeah, I just disagree. We're not, it, it will no longer be debated. We're, save the emails. We're, we're not, we've already spent too much time on this. Fair. But I may I may get an aisle just to stand up way earlier. <laughs> just and look wear around. A shirt, wear a shirt that says my name on it or something just to see kind of the reaction. Because I this is uh that's the first time a woman had ever said anything to me about it that well, way. Well, we don't and say we
2: don't speak up often. That's the thing. Yeah, but she had um there's a lot going on there. i will just leave it at that. <laughs> she All probably right. speaks up a lot.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh we'll be back on Friday. We'll talk a lot of NFL might do the west coast midterms friday could do it next week i'm not sure you know it's not like it's the end of the world if i do it a couple games later sometimes professors are different how they schedule things out uh thanks to kyle as always ryan russo podcast ringer spotify